This is the day, day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Welcome to Pendleton Center United Methodist Church. I'm Scott Dabb. If you are new to our church, please pick up a gift at the connection site in the back of the sanctuary after worship. And please fill out your friendship card to get on the mailing list, sign up for activities, and for prayers and concerns or notes for the staff. Enjoy the service. We are glad to have you here this morning. I have one quick announcement. Tomorrow and Tuesday from 3 to 9, we're going to be putting down a laminate floor in the building next door. So if you know how to do it and want to help, or if you want to learn how to do it and want to help, we'd love to have you stop on down. Let's take a moment to turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, we thank you for all the great blessings you give to us in life. We thank you for an opportunity to come into this place and be with you. We pray, Lord, that you'll focus our hearts, our minds, our souls, and all that we are on experiencing the living God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. I'd like to invite you, if you're able to stand as we think, sing together, a word of God incarnate.
Take a moment, if you will, and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Spirit. I'd like to invite the children to come up and join me now. Any children want to come up? Here comes one. Any other kids want to come up and join me? All right, I'm going to try something out with you guys, okay, and see how good you are at listening, all right? So I want you to repeat exactly what I said. Now listen, my bunny has blue fur. No, you didn't get that right. Let's try that again. Now listen, my bunny has blue fur. Hey, he did listen. Usually takes a lot longer to figure that out. That's right. You heard it. My bunny has blue fur. You get the prize. Bubbles. <laughs> Sometimes we don't listen. We just are focused on what we think we hear, but not what we really hear. Okay? If God is speaking to us and we listen, we're going to hear what God himself has to say to us. All right? You guys thankful for anything? You want to share something? Raise your hand. Friends and family. Anybody else? No? Okay. Lord, we do thank you for our friends, our family, the blessings you give to us, and even the word you share with us. Be with us today and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys go out to church school. All the kids are invited to go out to church school. I'm going to invite Pastor Sherry to come up with uh, our mission trip youth to share a thankful moment. We had a very successful mission trip this year, as all, all years, and a couple of the youth would just like to share a little bit about that. All right, this year's mission trip was truly amazing. Everyone had a lot of fun. New friendships were made, and old friendships became stronger. Most importantly, memories were created that will last a lifetime. Whether it was completing one project on a work site, swimming after a long day of work, playing volleyball, singing praise songs around the fire, arguing with the lifeguards about where our swim tags should be, or watching Caitlin, a woman that we worked for, develop a crush on Tucker. That's a true story. Each one was special. That week, that week of working is more than just siding someone's house or tidying up someone's garden. It's about doing the work of the Lord. Our job is truly done when we can 100% say as we walk off the work site the very last day that the people that we worked for, hearts are filled with the love of God, Mission Trip is truly a wonderful and amazing experience, and I encourage everyone and anyone to go. Thank you. Vince was speaking for all of us when he said what he did. We did have a lot of fun doing everything. Just wanted to share um, at Karen's house, the first few days we went there, we were doing a lot of house chores for her because she wasn't capable of doing them on her own because of health issues. And she kept asking us to do different things, like 
sweep the floors, vacuum for her, and we're thinking, why are we doing these things? Like, really? Um, and we realized that one of the reasons that she had us doing these things was because she really just enjoyed our company. And it's just really an uplifting moment um, when she says, like, we want you, I want you to come back. And um, same thing for Caitlin. Like, she was really upset seeing us leave, and we feel the same way. Um, we just really grow, like, close to these people, helping them, and we hope that our faith spreads on to them. So it's really just a great experience, and I think I speak for everyone when it's just fun, like, even to set the kids. I am very thankful for this was my fifth mission trip with this awesome church. This was the first trip that I was a young adult and not just a youth. Big difference, guys. Pay attention to that. Being a young adult required me to take a stronger leadership role in the work, the actual work, and helping to help form relationships. But for my week on the mission trip, I had the pleasure to work on Millie Hardy's house. Now, Millie, she had a fierceness that was only matched by Pastor Sherry. Millie was supposed to be sitting down for the most part due to some medical issues, but she was always walking around, moving things, trying to help out, but until Pastor Sherry told her to sit down, of course. Millie was also very active at their local church, which was right down the street, and we also helped paint that. We painted their uh, the little entranceway there, and it looked really nice after. That week, we worked on fixing her stairwell in her house, a, damage, a water-damaged ceiling, putting in tile floors, and she had a porch and some walls that needed a fresh coat of paint. And the stairwell, was, the stairwell was made of plaster and lath, and it was bubbling up, and they had tape over it. And so the first day was demo day. As fun as it was to tear down a wall, which was a lot of fun, as we all know, it was a lot of fun. But it was also very important to realize that we weren't just tearing up some wall. We were tearing down somebody's home, so we had to be respectful. And I'm thankful for that lesson of respect. So Millie had a son named Scott, and Scott had gone through a multitude of hardships with his own health and family, and I was fortunate enough that he felt he could share it with me. And seeing him work on the house with us, seeing him transform from quiet and helping a little bit to um, actually to helping and talking with us and joking and actually taking the spackle edge out of my hand because you know he could help, it, help out. And it was really amazing to see. We really saw God move through him. And he taught me another lesson of strength and perseverance. Seeing the big change that a fresh coat of paint can do on a porch, and it was absolutely outstanding, and that reminded me to take the small things, not take them for granted. I'm also thankful for the wonderful kids that went on the trip, and each of them brought personality and a sense of humor that all blended together so nicely. Seeing them work together and build and strengthen relationships reminded me of how I had gone on these mission trips and how the first one really touched me and made me go closer to God and make all these important lessons I just shared, and most importantly, grow closer to God. So, thank you. We did another major project as well, uh, Miss Millie's house, and Miss Millie, um, we, we gutted her um, living room and stairway, which were being held together with tape, and um, it was a real mess, and our guys worked hard. They got really strong over the head and stuff. And uh, Millie, who had lost her husband a few years ago, and her um, her son had been in a major accident and, and had almost passed away as well and was just under really hard times and um, going through a lot of physical difficulties as well. And um, she said at the end of it, um, as we were gathering up for our final prayer, she was just so excited. Um, we were gathering up for our final prayer and as we had, we had laid a floor for her, and she said this would be the very first time she'd be able to walk through her house without getting slivers in her feet because she had never had a floor before. She just always had the wood. 
Um, so we, it was an incredible blessing. The, the youth worked very, very hard. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart that you support the youth in doing incredible ministry like this. And so as we reflect on all the wonderful things God has given to us, especially in including all the amazing adults who gave a week of their time, a week's worth of vacation so that they could go on this trip with the youth and work really, really long hours in very hot circumstances. And, and we are all blessed by their sacrifice. So thank you for supporting the, the youth, supporting the mission, supporting your church. And as we reflect on how good God is, let's return our gifts, tithes, and offerings to the Lord. Stranger. Right. 
Heavenly Father, we bring you these gifts. We bring them with an open heart. You give us so much. You give us children that sing. You give us youth that go and help others. We are so grateful, and whatever we give can never match the blessings you have bestowed upon us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I'm Adrian Foley. I'm a lay leader at this church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we celebrate the new birth by water and the Spirit through the sacrament of baptism as we become members of Christ's holy church. On behalf of the church, I present Braden Thomas Grimmer for baptism. These presents are for the parents. If you reject the evil powers of this world, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist Satan, if so, answer, I do. You confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and promise to serve as Christ's representative through faithful participation in his church, if so, answer, I do. And when you nurture this child in Christ's holy church and by teaching the example, lead him to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior, if so, answer, I will. And will you, as sponsors, who sponsor this child, support and encourage him in his Christian faith? If so, answer, we will. And will you, as the Church of Christ, renew your own vows of commitment to Christ and accept the responsibilities to assist these parents in fulfilling their vows? If so, answer, we will. They just offered to be babysitters, just so you know, the whole bunch of them, okay? Let us pray. Lord, bless this water as a symbol of your sanctifying and renewing grace. As you have used water to bless the saints of history, let it now bless your child. Pour out your Holy Spirit on this jar of water to bless this child with your grace that leads to eternal life. Help us to know that as we die to this world, we become alive to Christ and share in his final victory over sin. Braden Thomas, wonderful middle name. That's fantastic. Braden Thomas Grimmel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you this day and always with his grace. Amen. It's an interesting job, man. <laughs> to go Brothers and sisters in Christ, I invite you to welcome our newest member into the family of God. Now I'd like to invite Barb Jeffords to come up and share a moment of joy.
That's a tough act to follow. <laughs> Hi, I'm Barb Jeffords. I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Pendleton Center, in case people don't know who I am. And I have the joy of sharing with you that last week, uh, we had our Vacation Bible School program here at our church. We registered about 250 children, and our highest attendance day was 233 children, um, all here in the same day. Yes, it was a crazy week. Um, and this doesn't include the nearly 60 teenagers who came each and every day, as well as the 50 adults who were here helping to make this program happen. Our theme for the week was sharing, and the children learned about Jesus' miracle of dividing a boy's lunch amongst thousands of people. The support from this congregation was once again provided and was very much felt, and your support for Vacation Bible School was divided amongst hundreds. We could not continue to reach out to so many of the children of this church and surrounding communities without the continued support of this congregation. Um, we had donations come in, we had financial donations come in, and all in all, uh, again, we could not do it without the support of all of you. And so I thank you um, for your continued support, and I look forward to next year's BBS and growing again. Thank you so much. It's now time for our joys and concerns. Concerns. Melissa Rada is having surgery on Monday. Nancy Dimmick is recuperating from surgery. And uh, we want to pray for the people of Lockport that have been affected by the fire. And uh, thanks to all the uh, first, first responders. That's the word. Um, other concerns. Carmen Falbo has been hospitalized. And Diana Rooney is having surgery on September 1st. And I have a card here that I will um, try and read this as best I can. Leah Mump, I believe the name is, 16 years old. She um, had tumors, 10 surgeries over the last 10 years. Uh, this past Monday had surgery to control her heart rate. This coming Friday, she will be in Los Angeles to remove a tumor behind her right ear and will lose her hearing. So we need to keep her in her, our prayers. We need to keep each other in our prayers. And we have so many joys here. We have a baptism. We have youth workers. We have vacation Bible school. We are a blessed congregation. So let us go to the Lord with our prayers and concerns. Dear Heavenly Father, it's Sunday morning again, and here we are. Here we are asking for your continued guidance in our life. You are always with us, but we need that reassurance that you really are there. It is so awesome to know the extent of your blessings. We pray for each other in this congregation. We pray for all those in the world who are not as fortunate as us. There are many needs, many sorrows, but then there are many joys. It is vacation time. Many of us have been blessed to have a little respite from the daily routine. We are grateful for this 
wonderful response to our Bible school. It reaches out to the community. Lord, we thank you for this staff that works so hard to promote Christ among us and in the community. We ask that you be with us each day as we go about our daily chores, our work, our visitation with those who are alone and ill. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share with you and with others. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. The song that Sue was just playing is in his time. And let me tell you something. Don't think God doesn't hear your prayers. I've had something happen to me this week within 48 hours that has just, I'm in shock this morning because I just received a text finalizing something. And if you want to talk to me about it later, I'll be happy to share it with you. But I am, I am just overwhelmed. I think I could preach a sermon. I grabbed Pastor Tom in the back. He said, I've only got two minutes, and I'm like, <laughs> so anyway, ah, God is so good. Um, the scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and the verses will be from 20 to 33, if I can hold it together. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children, and in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written. With other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. And prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction? a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. 
for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Come this way, with me, come on. Sometimes that's exactly what people feel like when they come to church. I sort of understand what they're talking about. I have an idea of what they're trying to do, but I really don't know what they're saying. And it's not because they're speaking in some sort of strange dialect, some language we don't understand, which we'll talk about, but because somehow it seems that Christians want to talk in such a way that they have an inside language, an inside understanding, where they're trying to impress everybody there. The Shema was uh, a part of the Jewish faith. It comes from the book of Deuteronomy, where uh, we were told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Jesus added a fourth one. Anybody remember what it is? All our mind. All our mind. Because you didn't want people to somehow think that, that, that faith in God is something that has nothing to do with our mind, and that only people who are unintelligent should be practicing their faith. But sometimes we get so caught up in what we think and what we know and what we can do that we can get confused on what we're supposed to be. This uh, particular um, passage is in the book of 1 Corinthians. The, the church at Corinth was a sophisticated place. Corinth was a very wealthy and large city during Roman days. There were probably about seven or 800,000 people living there, the, the size of a modern city. It was extremely wealthy because it was located on a little sliver of land between the sea that led to Asia and the sea that led to Rome. So when you wanted to travel, you had to cross that little piece of land to get to where you were going. So all the ships landed on one side and took their cargo to the other, sort of like Buffalo in the early days. All the ships came over the Great Lakes and everything landed in Buffalo, and from there it went throughout the world. Wealthy, sophisticated, rich, influential. And sometimes the Christians got caught up in the culture more than they got caught up in the faith. And so they turned worship, according to what we read into this book, in some ways more into a competition than into a spiritual exercise with God. 
They were competing to see who could put on the best show, who could look the most spiritual, who could look the wisest, who could, who could sing the best, who could do things to make them look good. In this passage, it talks about speaking in tongues, which in the Bible sometimes refers to a special language people can have with God. We may not understand it, but God and that person do. But in this particular passage that Paul's quoting, it comes from a, a, a verse in Isaiah which speaks about foreign languages. Have you ever noticed how impressed we are that people can speak a lot of languages? They can speak 28 languages. As if the, the sheer and, and simple ability to speak many languages makes somebody smarter than someone else. I must admit, I don't speak a lot of languages. I can say sprechen Sie Deutsch, parlez-vous français. I don't go too much farther than that. <laughs> expect, 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 never mind. <laughs> you see, the truth is, is that it, it's fine if we're, we can speak other languages, if we're trying to share something with someone who speaks the other languages. But as Paul says, if it's just something no one can understand, what uses it is? It confuses people. It will even cause people sometimes to think maybe we're not very intelligent at all. They're a sign, according to verse 22, a sign that God has given us that ability. We use it as a demonstration to share the message of God, not to confuse people. And we don't just have to use some language that people don't understand. We can use words that people don't understand. Pastors will get up and use words like eschatology and transfiguration and transubstantiation and things like this, and you're all going... We don't have to talk that way. Instead, we could talk about change, or we could, we could talk about what things will be like at the end of time. Words that people understand. But you see, people want to use faith sometimes to impress people and show how clever they are. They even did this with Jesus. There were many times they would come to Jesus and they would try to trick him with his words. They would ask him questions to see if he understood the faith as well as they did. What will marriage be like in heaven was one he asked, they asked him. Well, should we pay taxes was another one they asked him. A lot of you asked the same question. Jesus actually answered in one passage, you're in error because you don't know scriptures or the power of God. You really don't even understand what you're talking about. And you see, the reason why we have sermons, the reason why we read scripture in church is so that we can understand better. We've been talking about different aspects of worship through the summer, and today we're going to talk a little bit about reading the scripture and preaching sermons. The goal is to make things clear. In the book of Romans, in chapter 15, it says to us, everything was written in the past, and it was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. What was written in this book was written to help us understand, not to confuse us, but one of the difficulties about this book is this book is old. And you don't even have to go back just, just as far as this book is to see confusion. This is what happens when you take about three or 400 years off our life. This is the Lord's Prayer. You may not have known that the way we write English is not the way we used to write English. Hooven, hallowed be thy name. Well, on earth. 
You see, the fact is, it's an old book. In fact, this particular scripture was written anywhere from 7,000 to 2,000 years ago. And while it gives a complete understanding of our faith with that 5,000-year revelation of God's understanding to us, sometimes we need somebody to help us understand the culture like what it was like in the city of Corinth when they wrote this book. They understood, but we don't understand. So the purpose of the sermon is to help us to understand so that we can become mature in our faith. Brothers and sisters, Paul said in verse 20, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. We're not meant to be simple. We're meant to be sophisticated in our faith and simple in our ethical conduct. In fact, in verse 26, it actually says the purpose of all worship is to build up the church to help people grow in their faith. So we can open the revelation of God that he wants to give to everyone through worship. Now worship, the actual word, liturgy, means a work of the people. Not a person. Some people, according to verse 26, bring a hymn. Other bring a, a, a message or a sermon. Some, some will bring a tongue. Some will bring just some sort of witness. We've seen that this morning. All the different people doing all sorts of different things. It's not one person who does it. It's all of us together. God's revelation is available to all of us and happens in all the parts of worship. Not one person sharing, but everyone sharing something. Barbara said she wanted to preach. Probably would have been interesting if we would have learned, right? We maybe we should have. But just the words she shared give inspiration. Or maybe it's the words a teenager said, or, or some other action that helps us to feel as if we're open to God pouring out his understanding into our hearts. You see, God wants to pour his understanding, his wisdom, his knowledge into all of us. God is revealing it. He's raining it down on us right now. The problem is we're not prepared. Somebody said to me that they want rain, but they want a gentle rain like we got yesterday, not one of these pouring rains because the, that, the heavy rain all of a sudden on this dry ground, it all just runs up, right? Well, sometimes we're like that dry ground. The problem isn't that God, uh, it's not that God isn't giving us information. It's not that God isn't revealing to us. It's that we become hard, dry ground. We're not open to hearing what God wants to say or experience what God wants us to experience. So the work that we do in worship is not the work of a preacher. It's not the work of a choir. It's not the work of someone who sings or someone who prays. It's the work of everyone who comes here. The only audience we have here in church is one person, and that person is God. That's it. The rest of us are all doing this together, which, of course, would beg the question, so then why do you need somebody like me? Why do we even need a preacher? Well, in verse 33, it says that God is an orderly God. And quite honestly, if everybody here started talking all at once and everybody was sharing something from God all at once, we would hear nothing. Be too much. So sometimes we, we, we take turns, we take a little time. God is not a God of chaos, but God wants us to do it in a way that will be helpful. And it says so. If one person's speaking, the other person should sit down and let them speak. 
Because different people will bring different messages. And some people honestly are gifted by God in a particular way. We've talked about spiritual gifts. Everyone has their own spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of healing. Some people have the gift of teaching. Some people have the gift to help other people. Some people have the gift to share the word of God. Some people have what would be called prophecy or visionary preaching, an ability to help people to see what they otherwise didn't see, to understand what God is revealing that they didn't notice. Second Peter chapter 1 says it this way, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't mean everything I say is from God. It means that everything I say that's of any value to you is from God, and the rest of it's just me trying to do the best I can. Some people are gifted. We bring to worship what we're gifted to do. One brings a song, another brings a prayer, another brings an ability to share. And by the way, you also could have the gift of just being able to listen. Some of you are really good at listening, and others, well, not so much. And I know, some of that's my problem, right? <laughs> I've always said, you know, if, if one person kind of nods off, that means that they had a long night. If two people nod off, well, maybe two people had a long night. If I start staying three or four or five, it's time to quit, because nobody wants to hear what I'm saying. But some are gifted. They have a better ability to share with someone else what God is revealing. A better ability to communicate that. It's not even something that can be taught, although learning is good. It's something you can do by nature. Have you watched the Olympics at all? How many of you think you're that good? I know I'm not. I tried track and field, by the way, when I was a teenager. I tried every event in track and field. I did the long runs, I did the short runs, the sprints, I did jumping. I jumped, I threw the, the, the discus and the shot put. I pole vaulted. You know which one of them I was good at? Not a single one. So I got a job. I was better at that. Some of us are gifted in a particular and peculiar way. And so we do choose people to help lead us and guide us, especially if we have a congregation like this, where they might be able to reach and teach better. And also, some people simply have more time. You remember the, the song, some of you are old enough to remember the movie, the play, um, Fiddler on the Roof. Remember that? Way up of my head, I see the strangest sight. Well, there was a wonderful line in the song about if I were a rich man. What would I do if I were a rich man? I have one long staircase just going up, and one even longer coming down, and one more going nowhere just for show. But at the end of the song, he says the most important, the best gift he would have by being wealthy is that he could go to the temple and study about God and read the scriptures all day long. I tell you, that's one of the gifts that you give to me. Not that I have all day to do it, because I don't. Sometimes I'm jumping and shouting with kids at PBS or, or I'm at a funeral or a wedding or whatever it might be. But I do have a little more time. I have a little more opportunity than most people do in their busy, crazy, rushing from here to there to somewhere else, time to study the Word of God. I even had the opportunity 
to go to school and spend four years studying about God. And I continue to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people out here who have done the same and are just as equally qualified. It just means that there are some that can and some that can't, some that have been had, had that opportunity and some that haven't. And I appreciate that opportunity. I really do, and I thank you for that. We need the time. Listen to God. Because true wisdom is not learned. True wisdom is revealed by God. You can learn intelligent things. If you want to know about God, simply go on the internet and Google God. I will guarantee you there will be more information than you could read in a lifetime. A lot more information than I have. But if you want to experience the wisdom of the living God, you need to take the time to open your heart, open your life, open your soul for God to pour it in. And some people have had that opportunity. So for those people, we often allow them to lead so that they can inspire us, in spirit us. You see what that word means? To put the spirit of God within us. We become, in churches, too concerned about egos. Will people like what I said? Will people appreciate how we sang? Will people think I wore the right clothes? Will people be touched by what I shared? Will people appreciate what I've done? But worship is about experiencing the living God. In verse 25, it says, if we do worship right, people will walk in and they will say, not that the sermon was great, they won't say the singing was wonderful, they won't say the choir was amazing, they won't even say the Sunday school was terrific, they will say, God is really among you. I could feel the presence of the living God in this place. That's what it's supposed to be about. I did a wedding yesterday, I do a lot of weddings. Have you ever noticed that the bridesmaids' dresses are all ugly? Has anybody ever noticed that? If any of you ladies had the pleasure of wearing one of these awful things, I'm not talking about the wedding yesterday. They were all beautiful, right? But, but <laughs> but really, did you know that bridesmaids' dresses are meant to be ugly on purpose? And do you know why? We cannot have any women in the place that look more beautiful than the bride. So we dress them up in these weird-looking, pastel, goofy things, and all the women wearing them say, I'm not going to wear this anywhere else ever again. Yeah, that was the idea. I wouldn't be caught dead in this dress except at a wedding. Because at a wedding, the whole point is to point to the bride. And in church, the point is not to point to the pastor. It's not to say the pastor did something great or, or the music was so wonderful or so-and-so did this that touched me. It's that God was in this place. Everything's supposed to point to God. And that's the point. We have to be careful. Or we could very easily become a Corinthian culture. Do you know... Corinth was the largest city in Greece before Rome got there. And you know what they did to it? They destroyed it. They wiped the city out. They eliminated all its citizens, dragged them away, because Corinth 
at that time was actually challenging Rome as the most powerful city in the world. And Rome would have none of it. So this city of Corinth is actually the second great city of Corinth because they got so caught up in who they were and what they were about that the Romans destroyed them. Do you know that the United States of America has been blessed by God in more ways than anyone can imagine? I've said it before, when God was handing out blessings, he handed them out around the world and he, he backed up the truck of leftovers and dumped them on our country. We have the natural resources, we have the energy, we have the wisdom, we have the power of the world in this country. And the reason is because for century after century, America was the beacon of hope sharing about God with the world. Do you think that God blessed us so that we could be rich? Or God blessed us so that we could be happy? Or God blessed us so that we could do crazy, immoral things and show how much we could live out of control or insult everyone? God expects us to follow him. But we have to be very careful we don't become like Corinth and be the kind of people who are not living as if God is the most important thing in our life. In 2 Timothy, they talk about him. They say, a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. They will take the sacred things of God and turn them into nonsense. We've gone from a nation of silent night, holy night, to... <laughs> and somehow we glory in it. We think it's wonderful. We're just like Corinth. We're on the edge of destruction. And it isn't going to be some other nation. God himself will bring it down. But it doesn't have to be that way. If we open up our lives, open up our hearts to what God would say to us, instead of returning insult for insult, and accusation for accusation, we return love and joy and hope and encouragement, as God would call us to do. Germans, they say, are to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, to offer grace to those who are feeling oppressed and offer the law and judgment to those who are feeling righteous. Prophecy in here talks about convicting sins as if it says the secrets of their hearts have been laid bare. You should feel as if when you hear some message from God that it's convicting you in your heart and your soul. I've had people say to me, they think I put microphones in their house because somehow I'm talking about whatever they're doing or whatever they're not doing. Don't, don't believe that. I don't write sermons for any one person. He's certainly not for you. Loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is something we need to live into and not just 
give a short little attention span to. People have died for this thing. They're still dying for this thing. In fact, you know there was a man named Tyndall. He translated the Bible into English so you could understand the word of God. And you know what the church did to him? They killed him. They choked him and burned him at the stake because he wanted people to understand who God was. Do we have, do we have a desire burning within us to understand God? It's not just what I do when we come together for worship. It's what we do. We open our hearts to hear it. There's a story about two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them, and they didn't know who he was, which is fascinating in and of itself that they didn't know who he was. But it says that, that they listened to him intently. And later they knew him at the breaking of the bread. But this is one of the words they shared with their brothers. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Dear God, let our hearts burn. I have to tell you that I struggled right here when I was writing this sermon. Right here. I said, this is where I'm supposed to tell some poignant stories that rips at your heartstrings so that you just you just feel moved and open to experience the power of God. And I've been working on it three days looking for that story. And I said to God this morning when I finally just gave up, I said, what's the matter? Why won't you give me the story? And God said, did you even hear your own sermon? This has nothing to do with me. This is Maybe what I have to say doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't touch you even in the least. Maybe it was when Rachel sang. Maybe it was when Braden smiled. Maybe it was when Barbara got up and was ready to jump out of her skin. Maybe it was in the midst of the prayer. Maybe it was when one of the teenagers smiled about the joy they experienced on that trip. It doesn't place saying, I experience the living God, then we will have heard the message of God and worship that God, using the ancient word to bring the new power.
know, we can't help but mess up because we're human, and God knows that. But we don't have to mess up. We don't have to deliberately plan for it. We don't have to live into the brokenness. God gives us an opportunity to start fresh every time we turn to him. Take the brokenness, the mistakes, the things we do wrong, and turn them into the glory of God. So I invite you, if you're willing and if you're able, to confess before God with me. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. I have lived in brokenness. I don't always live for you. I don't always live in your promise. I have sinned. Forgive me, Lord. Open up my heart. Open up my soul. And pour in your grace. And guide my life. In Jesus' name we pray. God says that if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. So in a moment, you're about to be absolutely perfect. Perfect. And you have to live into that perfection. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God.
simply an acknowledgement that we're Christians. You can all wear white robes. It'd be kind of interesting if we all came to church in white robes, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, we'd be looking at what each other are wearing anymore, right? It's meant, actually, to be honest with you, to make me disappear. Because none of us have the right to go and celebrate at the table of the Lord. None of us is good enough. None of us is holy enough. And so pastors wear a robe to disappear. Only thing that's supposed to remain are my hands and my face, the things needed. And everything else is supposed to just be gone. Because when we come to this table, we don't come to my table. We come to God's table. And because of that, everyone's welcome. It doesn't really matter if you've been here for 80 years or you showed up 80 minutes ago, even eight minutes ago. You seek God, he wants you here. He invites you to come and receive the presence of the living God in this place. So you're welcome, all of you, to come and join us in meeting God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. It's a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to God. To thank Him for the air we breathe, to thank Him for the food we eat, to thank Him for the life we live that we should be so grateful for. The amazing things that we take for granted that others spend their whole life seeking. We should thank God. We should bless God. And so with your people on earth and all the angels in heaven, we praise your name and join the unending hymn saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he gave us this meal. They practiced this meal at Corinth, but they thought somehow that it was about how much food they ate or who got the most. In our church, you're all going to get just a little piece of bread. Nobody gets a whole loaf. And that's because we're all the same before God. He loves us. He accepts us. And he wanted us to practice this simple meal to remember who we are. He took the bread and he gave thanks to God. And then he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Eat of this, remembering me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. 
It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of this, remembering me. And so, in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Lord. Fill us as empty cups. Pour into us as dry ground. Let us receive the power and the wonder of the Holy Spirit in this place. Move us that we might be blessed to be a blessing to this world, to transform the entire world, to live in peace and joy and wonder and hope and love as only you can bring. Help us to be your body to the world as we come to receive your body and your soul. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let us pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are assisting with the table come forward at this time, please? said y'all get the same size piece but I just got a big one so everyone's probably get a larger one <laughs> you're invited now to come to the table at the rail for prayers for healing and anointing and light a candle come and join us with
Romans says, whole life can be an act of worship. We can go out into the world and live as the people of God everywhere. You don't just have to come here to experience God. God goes with you wherever you might be. Whether you're paddling a canoe or whether you're off to school or whether you're finding yourself just sitting home enjoying the blessings of doing nothing. God can touch you and God can be with you and God can reveal his wisdom to you. So open your hearts and may God bless you to be his people and live in his revelation this day and forevermore. Go in his